Welcome to Early Homecoming, a podcast for missionaries who have returned home early and for those who care about them. My name is Kristen Reber, and I am the author of Early Homecoming, a resource for early returned missionaries, their church leaders, and family. On this podcast, you will hear stories and gain insights from myself and other missionaries who returned home early, as well as experts, parents, and church leaders. Join us on the path of understanding and healing as we share our stories and insights about the phenomena of returning home early from a mission. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Early Homecoming. Today I have Josie with me. Josie served in the New York Syracuse mission for four months. She is the oldest of five kids and a dog mom to a cockapoo named Leo. She came home due to some mental health issues and developing chronic stress hives and is still figuring out some lingering health problems. She is currently working, but planning to go back to school in the fall, and she is also currently getting her certification in high fitness. And I'm just going to add a little personal note here. Josie, I first met her when she was my son's first swim teacher, and I know she doesn't teach swim lessons anymore, but she was awesome for Aiden, and I am so grateful to her for that. So anyways, welcome, Josie. You're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) So good to be here. Yeah, well, it's fun to talk to you again, because it has been a while. It has. So yeah, I'm just excited to hear from you. I've been looking forward to talking to you again. And it also just from your application, it sounds like you have quite the story to tell. So I'm just going to ask that you dive right in, tell us your story, and we will go from there. Okay, sounds good. Like you said, I served in the New York Syracuse mission. Growing up, like I've just been your, I don't know, average. I was born and raised in Utah County. My parents met at BYU. (laughs) You know, like I'm just your typical little born and raised Mormon girl, I guess you could say. I always just had a desire to go on a mission. My mom never served a mission, but my dad did. And he'll talk about it all the time. And So I just kind of always had desire to go on a mission. And I feel like especially these past couple of years, like all of my friends went. I don't think I didn't know any girl that didn't go on a mission. So not that I had a ton of friends who didn't go. I don't feel like I was necessarily pressured to go. But, you know, you just kind of follow what other people do. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to go on a mission. (laughs) No one tells you to not go on a mission. So... No, I, it's so different now too. Being like, yeah, you can go as a younger, you know, nineteen and years yes, old now. Yeah, totally. And I actually am the youngest in my grade. So when I graduated, I waited a whole year before mm. going on a mission because I don't turn. I didn't turn nineteen till the end of June, so I had a while. So my friends were long gone by the time I left. So you know, I just was so excited to get out there and serve or whatever. When I started my mission papers, I started, I was hoping they were going to let me go earlier before my birthday. I started my mission papers probably in December of 21. And it took 11 weeks after I submitted my mission papers to get my mission call. And you hear stories of like people getting them within five days. So I submitted them back in December, 11 weeks. <laughs> like wow. it was so long. 
they just kept coming back and saying, you need to go to this, you need to do this. And I actually had to go through a mental health screening. I guess it's pretty new. They're requiring most missionaries to now do this, which I've had mental health problems before. I was very open about it on my application, but I hadn't really seen, like I hadn't seen a therapist. I wasn't on any medication. I was in the best place I had been in, in years. So I was just hoping that a mission would just be the best. I would just do so well and excel in this environment. You know, it's just all about growth and learning. (laughs) So when I got my mission call, finally, forever later, (laughs) I got called to Syracuse, New York. And I just remember opening my mission call, just sobbing my eyes out. Like, it was just such a spiritual moment, such a confirmation in life. Like, this is what I need to be doing. When you open your mission call, you just feel such a connection to these people you've literally never met. You feel like this is where you need to be. I actually didn't know anyone who had served in my mission. I mean, I've never heard of anyone going to Syracuse. I guess this is why. (laughs) My mission got shut down 20 years ago due to missionaries being crazy. (laughs) They combined the mission. It's now the Syracuse, New York mission. It was the, um, it originally was two separate missions. It was like the city, New York City mission. And then um, they had a couple upstate missions, like Palmyra was its own mission. So kind of just, I don't know, I was just so excited to go. I went really fast. I only had about six weeks before I left. So I hurry went through the temple, packed my bags, and I was just ready to go off. Just sounds like you were ready to go. I mean, you'd wanted to serve a mission your whole life, and then all your friends are kind of going on a mission. And so it's just kind of that momentum. And then you got stalled for yeah. a little while because of mental health screenings, which I actually think is a good thing that the church is doing. I um, do too. Yeah. Did it ever feel uncomfortable or like they were asking too much, or was it? did it just feel appropriate? I felt like it was appropriate. I definitely could see their concern. I mm-hmm. was frustrated it took so long. Just because I'm like, I have been ready to go for so long. It was hard because I got this all this momentum and then six weeks about hit. And I'm like, is this even what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, sure. obviously, these aren't obstacles that I wanted to happen. And it kind of made me stop in my tracks and think, is this even what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, and then I, you know, did some time on my knees and praying and, you know, the... <laughs> The Lord doesn't just put hand things into our lives sometimes. And Satan was definitely trying to, you know, make it as hard as he could for me not to go, which I ultimately still got out there. But it definitely just made me stop and think, like, is this what I actually need to be doing with my life? Just because it was taking, I mean, that's almost four months of me just sitting there waiting. (laughs) Like, yeah, being in limbo, yeah. Yeah, and especially where I just put off school, I had moved home. I literally, all of my friends were out on missions. So it was just hard for that little minute. But when I got out to New York, I just knew that's exactly what I needed to be doing. And I felt good about it. So well, that's great. In six weeks from the time you receive your mission call and then you're in the MTC, that's that's pretty quick, but I'm hearing that more and pretty- more. <laughs> yeah, 
so many kids just go so fast, but I think it's good. You don't really have time to stop and think, oh crap, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> I know, seriously. All right. Well, what did you get yourself into in New York? I mean, how was it for those those first little bit there? I struggled a lot in the MTC. <laughs> People often like say it's their spiritual hell. <laughs> I would say that it was for me. I don't know why it was so hard. I don't know if it was because I was so close to home. I'm from Pleasant Grove. So that's a short 20 minute drive. So like knowing in the back of my head, my parents literally could drive by as I'm going across the street to go play volleyball was so hard for me. I actually had a really bad allergic reaction in the MTC to some medication I was taking to clear up a hive, like a rash. And so my face was swollen, my body was itchy. I ended up having to go to the Instacare in the MTC. My companion, thankfully, was just so awesome. I adore and loved her, and I don't think I could have survived the MTC without her. But I just think that adjustment, I don't personally like change. I don't I don't think anyone necessarily does well with change, but my body literally could not handle the change. I was freaking out. I would text my mom, not on P-Day, and the MTC don't really have that many rules. But so I just remember not loving the MTC. The MTC food is not great. <laughs> you know, like your body just doesn't know what's going on. But when I finally got out to New York, I was so excited just to be out actually teaching. You know, you just train and you train. You hear all the stories of people teaching and then you finally get to do what you're supposed to be doing for the next 17 months. I got out to New York. My mission president, I absolutely adored him and his wife. They were pretty young, actually. They have, I think, six kids. Three of them were actually on a mission while I was out there. One had just recently returned home and was going to BYU. One had returned home shortly after I came home. And then one left like two weeks after I got out to the field. So bless their hearts, they had three missionaries just back to back. They were young. They're from California. But they have an Instagram page, a Facebook page. They love posting pictures. They were just very involved. Like total your Instagram parents. You know, like my parents knew exactly what I was doing, what I was going on. They weren't worried about me. Very good communication. So I knew a little bit about them going to the mission field and just felt so good about them. They were just like my cool parents, you know? So yeah, when I got they, out there, they were just very welcome and very open. They had kids my age. So I felt like they kind of got missionary life and being a teenager. They got young adulthood and like what we are going through right now. So I didn't feel alone in this process, I guess. So it was, they were awesome. And I never want their job <laughs> because handling that many missionaries, I don't know how they do it. I'm like, do you even sleep? I really don't think they sleep. So I got out there. I got set up with my trainer at the time. She was a sister training leader and it was her first time, her first transfer being a sister training leader. And she was training me all brand new. She only had a couple of transfers left before going home, and she is so cute. She was awesome. As soon as she walked in, my eyes met, and I was like, please tell me that's my trainer. She was just so darling, very stylish. We ended up being companions. My first area was like the most wealthy area in our mission. 
you name the store, they had it. I had an obsession with Trader Joe's. They have a Trader Joe's there. They have a Cheesecake Factory. It was like a provo, the area I was serving in. So we just had a lot of fun there. It's the most darling city. It's called Fairport. It's right on the Erie Canal. You can like eat and watch the sunset over the river. It's so pretty. But me and her served together for about two transfers almost. I was actually emergency transferred to a new area. This is really where my mental health issues started. I wouldn't say kicking in because I definitely struggled this whole entire time. But this is like where I saw the big chunk of it. My mission is very notorious for being strict. Back when this mission was closed, ever since they reopened it about seven years ago, all the mission presidents have been insanely strict just because they don't want to happen what happened previously, hence why the mission's shutting down for so long, which is understandable. You know, when missionaries aren't supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, it makes it a little bit hard. And so our mission was very stick to the white Bible. Your P day is from eight to five. You get up, you do your work. You're a missionary. You're here for a reason, which I'm all about that. But I also had a hard time adjusting. So when I had a hard time adjusting, I would reach out to my mom and say, today was a hard day. You know, like I'm not doing very well. I cried a lot. <laughs> as I think every missionary does when they're adjusting. But my mission didn't like that I texted my mom. I often felt like I was getting in trouble for things I was doing, and so I didn't love that. So I I really struggled adjusting, period. Just not sure how to, like, reach out to those people that I wanted at home. I reached out to my mission, you know, companions and leaders and president and his wife. And I just said, you know, like, I am struggling, like, how do you go about this? And the things that they had offered me, I didn't necessarily love, or they didn't work for me as a person. And so I really struggle with that. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, like, you just want to be a good missionary. That's your job is to like, wake up and serve and love as Jesus would. And so that's just what I tried doing every day. You know, if I wasn't perfect at following the rules, I felt like I was a successful missionary and I did my job if someone felt loved or if I did what the Savior would did. So my body kept releasing a physical reaction to what I was feeling inside. I kept getting chronic stress hives. It really is a thing. I didn't know this until now, but like my body from head to toe would be covered in hives. Like I'd get swollen. I'd get itchy. I literally looked like I had an allergic reaction to like peanuts or dairy as anyone else would, but it's just because my body was like freaking out. So I, you know, would tell my mission president, this is what's going on. I went and saw a doctor. They prescribed me some essentially Benadryl times 10, but it just made me sleepy all day. So I just struggled really bad with you know, finding that balance between trying to heal myself physically and managing me adjusting and being a good missionary, feeling I was like a successful missionary. I was emergency transferred almost at the end of my second transfer. 
And I was hoping that this would be the like change that I needed, you know, the change of pace, you know, a new fresh start, a new area, a new companion, hoping that this would just be like, okay, you're at the end of the training, like, let's get to work. I got kicked to the outskirts of our mission. It's literally this tiny little town called Lowellville. And it's where the Philadelphia cream cheese is made. Literally, it's the middle of nowhere. Wow. <laughs> no one has ever heard of it. And I served, I went from serving in two wards of over 200 people to a branch of 15 people. So essentially, we went from like being fed every night, being taken care of, to we literally run the ward. We had a lot of fun out there, but our area was just comical. I felt like I was babysitting literally all the time because these people that we taught weren't capable a lot of the time of doing things on their own. They all had home health nurses, had to be transported everywhere on their own, couldn't be on their own. So all the time I just felt like I was babysitting and you just kind of have to laugh and say that, you know, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. This is the area where I actually decided to go home. I don't know if it was the combination of like going from such a big ward and area to not, I don't know what switched, but I ultimately just could not kick the feeling of not being a successful missionary. Um, I just felt like I wasn't being a successful missionary. I was feeling like I was always getting in trouble for things that I felt like I shouldn't what, be doing, you know, because I text my mom not on P day or whatever I'd be doing to make sure that I was mentally okay. I tried meeting with the mission therapist. A lot of missionaries meet with mission therapists. I think they're great. They're awesome. The church therapists and services have been so great to me while I was on my mission, before I was on my mission and actually after. But I was actually only allowed to meet with him once a month, which was kind of a bummer because I felt like I needed better help than meeting with a therapist once a month. Um, I was needing to start going to see a regular therapist and getting on some medications just to help my body process these emotions. I couldn't do it on my own. And especially without the help of not being able to talk to my parents every day. My parents are my number one supporters. I'm so grateful for them. And so it was hard not being able to have that communication with them. You know, you have a bad day, you go talk to your mom and I couldn't do that. So it was hard to rely on someone like that. You know, you have your companion, but you're also thrown into someone that you've never met. You don't know who they are. You come from totally different backgrounds. Sometimes it was hard to be completely open and honest with them. And especially when some of the problem, you know, them. Not that they're a bad person, but, you know, like it's hard living with someone 24-7. You know, you just feel so vulnerable. It's such a different experience. So it was hard to sometimes confide it with your companion. So I was just missing that sense of I feel alone. I need someone to talk to. I need someone to help me. And ultimately, I just wasn't getting that help that I felt like I needed. You know, I wasn't able to talk to a therapist regularly. I would talk to my mission president and his wife, but they're really busy and there's only so much they can really do, especially when you live four hours away from them. You know, you can't just pop on over for dinner and a quick visit with your mission president. 
So I had a hard time just figuring out what to do. And this is actually right around the conference in October of 2022. And I can't remember who gave this talk. It was one of the first talks in conference and it was all about service. And I remember sitting there watching it and just thinking, what if I did a service mission? Like, is this, I've been praying for weeks if I should go home because this was just not working. And I just felt like if this experience wasn't going to be good for me, why force myself to continue to go through it if I'm going to, you know, be, you know, sad about it my whole entire life. So I remember hearing this talk just all about service and, you know, saying the Lord rewards effort and wherever your effort is, the Lord's going to be proud of you. Whether that's in Syracuse, New York, whether that's at home, whether I'm serving in the temple, whatever it may be, you know, serving is ultimately what I need to be doing. And I should be doing that for the rest of my life. So I remember hearing that talk. I sat on it for a couple of weeks. I contacted my mission president just to talk with him whether I should go home. And I actually met with my parents and my state president and my mission president. And I ultimately decided I should go home. And it was a fast process after I decided to go home. Like, pack my bags, you're leaving within the next 72 hours. So it was super fast, especially going from being kind of wishy-washy, like, okay, do I just wait till I hit my six months, see if it gets better from here? Or do I just kick the can and say I tried my best? So I ultimately decided to go home just kind of on a whim. And I was pretty open in my emails back to home to people just saying, you know, like this week was hard. This is what I'm struggling with. But I think it was a shock to a lot of people that I came home so early just because knowing me, I was, I'm the type of person who's like, if it gets hard, like I stick it out. And so I kind of felt like a disappointment, not only to myself, but like to all these people. I mean, I had just given my farewell talk, not even four months ago. My parents had dedicated all this time and money and effort to me serving this mission. And then I come home and I'm like, well, I tried my best. You know, it's hard not to feel like a disappointment, I guess. But at the same time, you're like, I tried my best and I'm only human. There's only so much I can do at this point. So I definitely would say I felt like a disappointment at that time. So, well, let's let's pause there real quick, actually, because I just want to touch on a few things. The perfect obedience that it sounds like your mission kind of pushed, um, that can definitely lead to perfectionism. And I kind of, well, listening to your story, I felt like you were constantly getting down on yourself for not being perfect, not yeah. perfectly following the rules, which is very, very common. You're definitely not alone in that. And the yeah. other thing was one of the rules I guess you normally would break was texting your mom when you needed help. Yeah, Your reasons for texting her made a lot of sense to me. And sometimes I think these rules that are on missions or, you know, quite frankly, possibly even in the church at large are due more to tradition or the way things used to be because they used they worked back then or just they weren't even an option back then but for some reason we keep pushing this idea that missionaries today or people today should be able to do what the people before them were able to do which was snail mail or only getting letters so often yes 
very, very admirable, but the youth today grew up in a much faster-paced world. So to go from a very high technological world where you can contact anyone whenever you need help, and it's not so much relying on your own self to, I don't know, get through whatever hard thing because you don't really have the option. It's going to take like a week for the letter to reach the person you need help from to kind of, so yeah, going from this fast-paced world to a much slower well, missions are fast-paced too, but you know what I mean. Like, you just can't... For sure. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, so... back then, it just kind of was like, if you struggle, like, you pick up your boots and you just keep trekking. Like, you know, like, there was really no other option. It was unheard of to go home early from your mission. Right. And it's... Now it's like, there's nothing actually morally wrong with you contacting no. your mom. When you need help because you trust her and she's probably going to give you really good advice and cheer you up and help you get through the day. There's nothing morally wrong with that. And yet we treat it as though it's morally wrong. And I, I think that's yeah. something that really needs to be improved on. And I know some people are going to get mad at me and say that's critical of leaders. But I mean, so be it. Leaders are not perfect. And I think that's something that needs to be yeah. improved on. I 100% agree, especially when it wasn't making me a bad missionary. No, you know, I think everyone handles everything differently. And I understand that it is hard to manage 300 plus missionaries. And so you have to come up with a set of rules that, you know, everyone can follow and have a guideline, but those rules don't work for everyone. And I think sometimes you need to look at the person and say, you know what, you're a capable person to make decisions on your own. And if you want to do that, and that's going to make you a better missionary, go ahead. And so it was just so hard, like that perfectionism, just like not being a good missionary, because I wasn't following the rules to a T. Like in my mind, in my mission's mind, I was not a good missionary. So Mm -hmm. it was so hard. I don't remember how many times I tried to explain this to my companions or my, you know, district leaders, you know, like, it's either I text my mom, and I feel better about my day or about myself, or I go home, like you lose a missionary, you lose someone giving up 18 months of their life to go serve. You know, like, that's ultimately what it came to. And I mean, it's sad enough to say they ultimately lost me as a missionary, because I just couldn't I couldn't fit their rules, their little rule book, because that's just not how my personality worked. It's not, I could not handle being told what to do from 6.30 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. And that's okay. Everyone is different. Everyone responds different. Everyone's brains work different. You know, we're our own people. So that was definitely hard. Right. And I know the church, to be fair, I know the church has made strides, great strides at trying to be more accommodating to different personalities. But this is just kind of one of the things where I have noticed when missions get really, really strict and just following something to the T that takes away some of that agency of you know, and per- and just personality of the individual missionary. Personal- yes. And it won't allow the missionary to adapt as they need to in order to serve a mission. And missions exactly. are, don't all need to look the same either. So. Yeah. And I am the type of girl that is like, I love everyone and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be the best missionary and best teacher when I am myself. 
So changing my personality for someone or something else, just it wasn't me. I'm not going to change my personality. I'm not going to dole down who I am just to fit your standards. And so that was really hard for me because it felt like I was changing personalities. It wasn't who I am. And I hear a lot of like of my friends stories on missions of their mission presidents or rules that they're allowed to do or what they can and can't do. And I just remember thinking, even still to say, I think if I would have served in your mission or if I would have had your mission president, I feel like I could have done it. You know, just because their rules are completely different, they're managed so different. And so it's hard not to say, could I have or can I have served a mission if the circumstances were different? You know, so that's I feel like that's been hard just because. If I was serving in another mission, I felt like maybe if circumstances were different, I could have finished it. So, but I would say coming home probably was the best thing for me. I have had a lot of grief and I would say hard feelings towards not only the church, but the mission in general, people associated with my mission. I have a hard time talking to old friends or old companions on the mission just because I would call it a traumatic experience. I hated those four months that I served. I spent most of my nights crying. (laughs) It was just emotionally taxing. You know, no one wants to say I spent four nights, I mean, four months of my life literally crying my eyes out. I hated every minute of that because You hear missionaries come back from their mission, give their homecoming talks and say, that was the best 18 months, two years that I've ever done with my life. That was the most fun I've ever had. I've never felt happier. And I look back on my four months and I'm like, I've never been sadder, more emotionally distressed, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and especially where I was at such a good place in my life. I felt like when I came home, I took 50 steps backwards. And I'm working 10 times as hard to get back to just where I was before I left. You know, it's frustrating feeling like if I wouldn't have gone on this mission, I feel like life would have stayed the way it was. I would have been happy. I would have still been in school. I would have been successful. Now I'm home and I went to therapy twice a week. I was on these medications. I was struggling to get out of bed in the mornings. It was so hard come home so hard but I finally got my stress hives under control after about six months I still would come home and get stress hives anything associated with my mission or the church I would get stress hives so anytime I went to the temple anytime I went to church anytime I read my scriptures wrote in my journal anything associated that I did on my mission my body would like literally freak out So that was so hard for me because I loved the temple before my mission. I loved going to church. I loved reading my scriptures on my mission. It probably was my saving grace. I loved listening to BYU devotionals. But for the longest time, I could not do any of those things because my body would have a physical reaction to them. And I would like end up hot and sweaty and itchy. And who wants to go (laughs) do that? That does not sound fun. So for a minute, I actually stopped going to the temple because 
it was hard for me to go sit in the temple and come out in hives. It wasn't enjoyable for me. I had a hard time just going back to church. They actually had me speak in another ward's sacrament meeting when I came home about my mission about two weeks after I came home. And then about two months later, they had me speak in state conference. (laughs) So, yeah. And I am the type of girl who's just so open about my experience. I shared about my stress hives. I shared that I didn't love my mission. And I just gave them, you know, my real raw experience and said, you know, like, there's missionaries like me. There's hundreds of missionaries like me who don't feel like they can share their story because they don't want to feel like a disappointment. But, like, it's okay if you don't finish your mission. It's okay if you struggle. Like, we all have trials. And so I told them in my talk, I'm like, if you see me up in stress hives, it's because I hate talking about my mission because it brings up all these emotional, you know, attachments. So I would say talking in state conference was just interesting because. People want to just hear the roses of your mm-hmm. mission. And I stood up and gave them the thorns of my mission and said, no, this was hard. And I did not enjoy it, but I am here to show you that, like, I'm stronger than that. And, you know, if you have a missionary or you know of a missionary who came home early, you know, you have to realize that some of these missionaries are stronger than the ones who served the full 24 months. They have to learn how to come home and feel that disappointment and shame of coming home early, but learn how to come back and still learn how to feel their Savior's love and say, no, just because I was given these trials doesn't mean I'm not capable of love. So that was definitely hard to speak at state conference. But I'm actually really grateful for the opportunity. I feel like it closed a lot of chapters and doors to allow myself to kind of just heal from that experience. I still struggle, not necessarily with the gospel, but just feeling like my connection with God and my Savior. Just because, you know, I got this revelation to go on this mission. You know, you pray for months. You prepare for months and then you go out there and you're like that was not a fun time you come home and now you're just feeling so lost so I've had a hard time adjusting just being like you told me to do this thing that sucked and I did my best and it backfired in my face so now what do I do and so it's kind of hard to reestablish that trust with God again and say Are you going to lead me to something that is going to blow up in my face again? So it's been hard going back to, I still go to church regularly. I still do the things that I feel good doing just because I think that exposure is just the best for me. But I do have a hard time with mission farewells or mission homecomings. Any talk about missionaries, especially when people pray and bless the missionary. That's sometimes hard for me. I am terrified when my friends come home off of missions this summer to go to their farewells. I don't know if I'll be able to handle that. Just because my heart does hurt. Mm -hmm. Because 
I wanted to be that missionary that came home and said, that was the best 18 months of my life. I have all these great experiences. I bless so many people's lives. I accomplished so much. I learned so much. I grew so much. But I was that missionary that came home and said, I only served for four months and my physical and mental illnesses held me back. So I have allowed myself and created a space for me after months of therapy (laughs) to allow myself to say, you know, like, it's okay to be sad. And it's okay to stand up in the middle of a Relief Society lesson or a Sunday school lesson or backroom meeting and get up and walk out. You know, it's okay to allow myself to heal and to say, that's a tender part of me right now. And I'm okay with that, you know, because everyone is in a different place in their life. And I will be able to heal when I can, but sometimes that just takes time. Mm -hmm. And so it's been definitely hard learning those skills to just take a step back and say, it's okay to allow myself to set boundaries with the church and with other people and to say, this was a hard experience and I'm doing the best I can. And you can't put judgment on me when you don't know what I've gone through. You didn't experience what I experienced. And so you aren't allowed to judge me for coming home early. You aren't allowed to say what I shouldn't or shouldn't have done because it's ultimately my choice and these are my feelings and emotions. So it's definitely taken me a long time to get there. (laughs) Lots of therapy. I went, um, the church actually offers six free sessions to all missionaries when they get home just through the church services. And I took those free sessions for those first six weeks and it was the best thing I ever did. So I actually talked to my bishop again, signed up again, and I was meeting with someone associated with the church and then another therapist who wasn't associated with the church. And just, it was interesting hearing both sides of the stories. I wouldn't say both sides of the stories, just getting different insight from someone who does work with a lot of coming home missionaries and then also a therapist who deals with a lot of anxiety, depression, OCD, perfectionism, some other things that I was struggling on the mission. Um, I was diagnosed with OCD and perfectionism on my mission, which I could have seen it before I left on my mission, but then it definitely just came out a ton, you know, as. I was having to follow these rules from this little box, you know, like I just felt like I was trapped in this box. So it was the best thing I ever did. I was in therapy twice a week. I now just go see a therapist once a month and I feel like I've come a long ways and it's been, it's been great for me. I didn't get the, I was hoping on a mission to, you know, get a lot of spiritual and I would say, you know, like you want your, testimony and spirituality to grow a ton I would say getting to know myself better is probably what I learned the most you know wasn't exactly what I was hoping to learn but it's what I needed to learn at the time and so I'm proud of the things that I've learned and I've grown and I've accomplished just these last couple of months even if it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for 
Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for your raw emotions. I want listeners to know Josie returned from her mission about seven or eight months ago, right, Josie? Yeah. So this is very fresh for her. And I think, you know, if you just came home from your mission, like this, I'm sure you can relate to everything that she's feeling. And frankly, some people, this can go on for a long time. Other people are able to work through these emotions in different ways. I do want to offer some reassurance that a few years down the road, you will be able to look back on these experiences, most likely, and be like, wow, I made it through that. You'll remember hard emotions and hard feelings, but you'll also see how you work through them and you overcame them, especially as you keep doing what you're doing now, which is processing them. And I just want to encourage you and, and others, keep processing. And yes, give yourself space to process them. What you've are experiencing, it sounds like a lot of trauma. And I know everyone's like, oh, well, trauma is like this super bad thing that like only, you know, war veterans experience. There's little T traumas as well. And we're just, I think in psychology, starting to scrape the surface of what that is. So I'm glad to hear you're involved in therapy. As you were talking, you know, I, I share this scripture quite a bit on my podcast, but I want to read it again um, in the hopes that it can offer you and maybe someone else some closure and maybe some comfort as well regarding the the shortness of your mission. It's Doctrine and Covenants 124, 49, and it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that when I give a commandment to any of the sons of men, or, you know, we'll say daughters of men as well, to do a work unto my name, And those sons of men go with all their might and with all they have to perform that work and cease not their diligence and their enemies come upon them, and that can be physical or mental, and hinder them from performing that work. Behold, it behooveth me to require that work no more at the hands of those sons of men, but to accept their offerings. And I hope, Josie, that if you haven't already, or if you have that, it'll just keep solidifying for you, that you'll be able to get to this place where you realize that God knows you perfectly. He loves you perfectly. He sees what you did. He sees what you offered and he accepts it and that you can continue to move forward with your life instead of staying stuck in this idea of, I didn't make it. I failed. I'm not like those other missionaries. My mission wasn't as good. My mission was bad. You know, you can still like not like your mission, but that you can see it for what it was, which was you doing your best and trying your best and have peace in that and move forward. Exactly. And I for sure will get there. I think a lot of things take time and mm-hmm. I, the amount of growth that I've seen myself in the past seven, eight months has been incredible. And I am excited to move on from this chapter of my life. Um, I think there will always be a part of me that you know, aches for that experience in New York. But I also have a very strong testimony that, you know, service can be done in so many ways. And being a full-time missionary is one of them. But also being a loving mom, a loving spouse, a teacher, a Relief Society teacher, a young woman's president. You know, being a friend to others, that's so many ways to serve being in a temple. And so, you know, it's, doesn't end there. There's so many opportunities and I we're so blessed to have different personalities and to have these different trials and experiences. I think that's the beautiful part of the gospel is that we all have our different talents and abilities and we come together to make 
a beautiful thing. You know, we come to love and serve in ways that maybe I can't serve with love, but someone else can. And that's how it reaches me. And so I think that's why we're all different and created. And that's why God gives us all different talents and abilities is to serve differently and to love differently. And so, you know, maybe serving a mission was just not one of my best ways to love and serve, but being here present with other people in my life is the way that I serve best and that's okay. So, and everyone's different. And so I, I appreciate the growth and the testimony that I, I've been able to gain while I've been home because it's not what I expected, but it's what I needed. Thank you for sharing that. I agree. Um, Real quick, we are kind of at the end of our time, but I did want to follow up on something. You said that you were interested in serving a service mission initially when you went home, but obviously that ended up not being the case. And I'm just curious why you chose in the end not to serve a service mission. Yeah, I think service missions are the best. I heard that they're actually doing a pilot program where it's half proselyting, half service mission. So you get to go out with your local missionaries and proselyte with them when you want to but then you can also serve whether it be in the temple or whatever which I think would be a phenomenal program and I hope that we actually get to incorporate that I wish that was available for me a service mission I feel like would be really hard for me because you're still at home you're doing regular activities but you're just a missionary when you kind of want to be I was kind of ready to just like move on from my mission I kind of wanted to close that chapter in my life and move on back with school and with dating. And I'm the oldest of five kids. So like our lives are just so busy. It would be really hard for me to live at home with four younger siblings <laughs> and try to be a missionary. And so I ultimately just didn't feel like it was the best for me. I did absolutely love serving on my mission. And so I've tried to like incorporate that just into my daily life. I just feel like you don't need a tag to serve. And so I was just ready to move on with life. I felt like it was probably the best for me at the time. And, you know, you like like I said, you don't need that tag to serve. But I do think service missions are a great opportunity for those who do want to continue serving and who aren't ready to close that chapter of their lives of that full-time mission, but necessarily don't want to go proselyting. So I, I honestly hope that proselyting service mission goes through because I think it will change so many missionaries' lives. I like that too. I didn't know about that pilot program. So I'm glad you're sharing that. I think that's a great option because sometimes it's like you don't want to just go and only do a service mission. You might want to be able to continue doing some proselyting, but you don't want that to be your full-time thing either. And I, well, I love and it's great that you can combo. live at home. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like you can get that help that you need. Mm -hmm. um, like that would have been a total game changer if I could have been with my mom and still been proselyting and teaching and sharing those experiences with my family, the comfort of sleeping in my own bed. But then I wake up the next day and if I wanted to go proselyting, I could. And if I wanted to go serve in the temple, I could. So I think it will be a total game changer and we'll have a huge increase of missionaries staying out and going out. I agree. I look forward to seeing that. Well, Josie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Are, is there any last thoughts you want to share, perhaps with someone who is going through something similar right now? I would just say, like, allow yourself and give yourself grace for the effort that you put in, because you're only human. And there's only so much you can do. And it's okay. Like, we have faults. And so you're strong. And the Savior loves you. Heavenly Father loves you. And 
you know, like they created you and your plan for a reason. But thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to share a little bit of my story. It gave me a lot of comfort and healing, closed a lot of doors in my life. And I just hope that whoever needed to hear this, you know, is able to feel the love and support that I have for them and know that they're not alone. Because I get it. It's hard. I think every missionary understands that it's hard. Absolutely. Yes, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing. That concludes this interview on Early Homecoming. If you would like to go deeper into the experiences of early returned missionaries, please consider buying my book, Early Homecoming. You can find it in paperbook, ebook, or audiobook formats on Amazon. If you would like to contact me, please come find me on Instagram at author underscore Kristen Reber or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kristen Reber. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-R-E-B-E-R. -E -E